Hello everyone and welcome to part 2 of this episode of Late Night Football. After doing last night's episode, I want to add a little more context to the issues that we discussed, particularly around unconscious stereotypes and systemic discrimination within the game, specifically around black players, which we didn't get to discuss yesterday. So this is a follow-up to yesterday's episode. I would like to hear your thoughts on this, so send in your comments as well. The first thing that I would like to address today are issues around unconscious stereotypes. Now football is no stranger to cliché statements. We've all heard them. Some in particular don't make any sense like be run for pace or half a yard of pace because yard is not a measurement of pace but distance, uh, game of two halves and so on. You might have also heard this one, showed real pace and power. This is how one TV pundit described a play from Paul Pogba, a Now there's nothing wrong with that statement and the pundit is actually paying a compliment to the player that being said in that particular phase of play Pogba actually showed some very good technical work as well which for some reason got overlooked now I'll be honest and say that Pogba for me despite all of his off-field antics and there are many of those is one of the most technically gifted players of his generation yet how many times do you hear that mentioned or read about it John Obi Mikel was always seen as a ball winner, a combative midfielder in England, and reporters would often write bemusingly how he played as a number 10 for Nigeria, like it was surprising that Nigerian managers saw something in him that Premier League managers didn't or couldn't. Did they know something that the club managers didn't? That couldn't possibly be the case, could it? In all fairness, Mikel was a very good all-round player who could play anywhere in midfield. who had the physical and technical attributes to excel in offense and defense and there were lots of players who could do that it's also true that mikel curbed his attacking instincts at chelsea to play the defensive role that the team needed from him again something many players have done in the past and will continue to do for as long as football is around yet for many other players it was said that that player was doing a job for the team with mikel it was almost assumed that he couldn't be a number 10 for whatever reason and so him playing there for nigeria was somehow incredible now there is a larger narrative around this of course black players often have their physical attributes emphasized while their technical attributes are often glossed over or overlooked you'll hear a lot about how black players are fast strong have great energy very aggressive very combative but very rarely do they use the words skillful or technical or intelligent Now many black footballers too have immense physical attributes and have used that to great success players like Kanté or Lukaku for example and again many black players like many football players in general don't have the technical attributes to succeed at the top level but many black players do and yet don't get that recognition when you think about Fernandinho or Makélélé think about what first jumps to your mind combative midfielders tactical foul masters Do you remember them being described as intelligent because of their brilliant positional awareness? In Fernandinho's case, he's also a pretty good passer of the ball actually. But that's very rarely mentioned. Why is that? Subconsciously, technical and mental attributes signify a greater degree of intelligence. In some ways a higher level of football player than the rest. And many times these are not attributed to black players because of prevailing biases and norms. It's saying that black players succeed because of their superior physical attributes, but white players succeed because they are smarter. Because black players can't possibly be intelligent, or at least more intelligent than white players. 
Thankfully, many reporters and TV pundits are realizing this now and are making corrections to the way they discuss black players. But a lot more work needs to be done, particularly as it pertains to black players from Africa. For example, in England and Europe, the reporting has improved on black players from those countries, but there is still this tendency of bias against black African players. We don't have to downplay the physical attributes of players, but we shouldn't overlook their technical attributes either. And as fans, we should all do our part by speaking out about this on articles or interviews that have these biases, while at the same time making sure to educate ourselves to not fall into these same traps. So now, onto the systemic discrimination part. I haven't done any research, but by my estimate, in the Premier League, black players make up about 30% of players playing in the league. Now, I have done my research on this, and only one manager in the Premier League is black. So, about 5%. Now, can anyone see what's wrong with this picture? Anyone? Now, we've known for years that football has a big problem with diversity at management level, and that's not just with black people, but pretty much all ethnicities and races. Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, and Mikel Arteta can all walk into managerial jobs with high-profile British clubs without any real top-level experience. Yet Saul Campbell has to start at a League 2 club. Now don't give me the BS about Arteta apprenticing under Pep like that means more than any other regular coaching gig, or Frank spending one season at Derby where he achieved practically nothing, or Gerard being a youth coach at Liverpool. And yes, I completely understand that Frank got the job because he's a club legend at Chelsea, but the same could be said for Saul Campbell being a legend at Arsenal. But at least France has addressed this issue somewhat, and we do have, or have had, a few black managers at a few clubs, like Henri Vieira in the last few years. But by and large, across the English Football League pyramid, you can count on one hand the number of black managers. And that's around 100 clubs that play within the four leagues. Now, this is not a criticism of white managers or using that buzzword, reverse racism. The point is, is the system really helping black managers in their careers, in advancing, or is it just maintaining the status quo? If it is merit-based, what qualifies Arteta for the Arsenal job more than Saul Campbell, who's actually managed a club before? And if it's not merit-based, then why are the EFL and Premier League so incompetent in fixing it? Hopefully the introduction of the Rooney rule in the EFL will help remedy that problem, but the Premier League is opposed to this as of now. In spite of how football keeps talking about equity and fairness for all, when push comes to shove, the suits aren't necessarily doing all they can to level the playing field. There's still that old boys network when it comes to managerial and higher level appointments. We always hear another cliche, if you're good enough, you'll make it. Uh, yet we have evidence of people not showing that they're good enough and making it, while others aren't getting in. As fans of the game, we can advocate for more diversity within our club's management structures. We need more influential voices at the top that favour diversity and are willing to give equal opportunities. We need domestic leagues, UEFA and FIFA to also push for more diversity or at least give diverse candidates a chance to present their credentials to bring about change. Now two things to point out here, I've picked England and France because I believe that there is a lot more ethnic representation and at least a willingness from some parties for change, whereas a lot more work needs to be done in countries like Spain and Italy and maybe even Germany where those conversations haven't even begun uh, around players let alone managers. Uh, and also keep in mind here that I haven't even gotten into the women's game or female representation in football, which is a whole different conversation and is even worse. So I'll save that one for another time. 
But anyway, I hope this episode was again at least somewhat knowledgeable to you. Like the previous one, please do share it with everyone you know if you found it interesting uh, and add in your suggestions or observations via the comments section. Let's be drivers of change in our own communities, wherever we may be. Uh, have a good week, guys.